from fake meat and robot chefs to ghost kitchens and delivery drones, the restaurant industry is rapidly evolving. Welcome to Food Fighters, bringing you interviews with the leading industry trailblazers. I'm your host, Zach Goldstein. Welcome back to Food Fighters. I'm your host, Zach Goldstein. Excited to be joined by Alan Phillips today, Chief Creative Officer at Reef Technology. Prior to Reef, Alan has over two decades of experience in hospitality, food and beverage, real estate and entrepreneurship, including time at Wolfgang Puck's Spago, Myriad Restaurant Group, Morgan's Hotel Group, Turnberry, and The Wee Company. Alan, welcome to Food Fighters. Thanks for joining us. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, let's start right now with what you're doing because Reef Technology is really has a vision to change uh, not just the restaurant landscape, but frankly, urban spaces, neighborhoods uh, broadly. T- tell us about Reef uh, and, and what you're doing. So Reef was founded about eight years ago by uh, under the name of Park Jockey, by a Turkish entrepreneur named Ari Ohalvo, uh, along with his two partners, uh, Aziz and Philippe, uh, Philippe St. Just. Basically, they had set out to bring technology to the parking business. But Ari had an extensive background in hospitality and consulting, and he had done consulting projects for companies like like Walmart. And through those experiences, he realized that there was going to be a need for what he called a proximity network, basically a way to get as close to the consumer as humanly possible and enable brands to do that efficiently. And so he pitched investors, in this case, it was uh, SoftBank, and on on acquiring two of the largest parking operators in North America. And in doing so, that gave us the what we thought was the most capital efficient route to get 5,000 locations all across North America and every major urban market. So we bought those companies, we brought them together, and then three years ago, we formed Reef. And Reef, the intent of Reef is to transform these pieces of what we call underutilized urban real estate into last block neighborhood hubs and parks, providing locally curated goods, services, services and experiences to the customer. So what does that, that mean in English? It means if you put the 300 most delivered items on Amazon or Target or Walmart into a a parking lot on the Upper East Side of Manhattan, you can deliver them in under 30 minutes to that entire radius. And if you own a a parking lot or a piece of underutilized real estate, and maybe you have one use case for that real estate, uh, for that parking space, for instance, and then you have instead 10 use cases like ghost kitchens, retail, urban farms, healthcare, Etc. In modular in a modular setup, you can obviously make that real estate much more valuable and much more efficient. Um, so when you combine that all together, that's a proximity network, and that proximity network is good for both the the property owner, for the management company, and most importantly for the neighborhood because the neighborhood is getting all the things they want in a much more efficient and uh, expedient manner which allows people to spend less time doing the things they need to do and more time doing the things they want to do. So let's talk first uh, about the impact that Reef is having on these local communities with regard to 
restaurants, ghost kitchens, virtual restaurant brands. In that category, there are a number of cloud kitchen or other type models, including cloud kitchens, Kitchen United. What makes Reef Technology unique uh, in, in the virtual concept ghost kitchen world? Well, first off, our why is like what the reason we do this is to make the place you live the place you love to be. And so everything we do, we look through the lens of, is this better for the neighborhood? How are we improving the neighborhood? So, so that's, that's the first and foremost, I think, a major difference between us and other people in, the, in that business. And then we have four main, what I would call competitive advantages, right? And things that make us different. So first off, as opposed to every other operator in the ghost kitchen or neighborhood kitchen space, as we call it, we have the real estate already, right? So if you're cloud kitchens, you have to acquire the real estate and license your kitchens and then get tenants to operate those kitchens. In our case, we already have the real estate and that real estate that we have is closer to the consumer than anyone else is. And if you uh, you know have listened to like Jeff Bezos talk about um, the constant dissatisfaction of the customer, basically he says, if you tell someone you're going to get it to them in a week, they want it in five days. If you get it in five days, they want it in one day. If you give it to them in one day, they want it in, in uh, 12 hours. If it's 12 hours, it's six hours. And it keeps going and going and going until you know, you're at the point of wanting something right when you ask for it. And that's really what we're enabling these, these kitchens and these brands to do through our platform. And very much so, we are the enabler. We are not the person in the front seat. The third thing is we operate everything ourselves. So everything that goes on within our kitchens is, is handled by us. Like if you go to cloud kitchens, for instance, you rent a space and you operate. Uh, you know, for David Chang or Wendy's or whoever else we're working with, uh, which is, you know, a myriad of people at this point, I, I would venture to say there, there is less very, very few large restaurant groups or well-known local players that we have not spoken to. And so we enable them to grow their business, both within their city and outside of their city, uh, at zero cost to them. Um, and that's because we operate everything ourselves. And then we enter partnerships with these people to help grow their business. Hmm. That's a big change in in the model. And it's frankly, you've been seeing these types of changes in restaurants. Uh, you authored a book, God, almost 10 years ago now, The Complete Idiot's Guide to Starting a Food Truck Business. <laughs> uh, and the, the reality is at that time, food trucks were new. Then they, they took off and there were whole dining uh, areas with food trucks and people thought it was a fad. And here we are now, food trucks are very much more established than a fad. There's a question right now about ghost kitchens and virtual brands. Are they a fad or are they here to stay? Uh, what do you think about the centrality of virtual brands and delivery in the restaurant landscape of the future? Well, what you need to understand is, one, food trucks and pop-ups and all these things, they're part of the, the hospitality ecosystem now, whether they're being used for promotion or they're being used uh, to grow businesses or experiment with new things, or it's your primary business and you you know run a taco truck in California, which many, many people do, and that's their entire business. 
those are real parts of the ecosystem. And they represent millions, if not billions of dollars in revenue, uh, which, you know, I don't think is going anywhere other than up. And so like these things, which I would call a supplement to the core, Reef and, and our neighborhood kitchens are the same. So through the, through the pandemic, we were able to be like what we would say a substitute, right? So you can't open your restaurant. We can run your restaurant for you and we can bring you that food and we can make sure you're making money. That's great. But when your restaurant opens up again or achieves the, re- the business it had before, I want you to think about this, this one thing. So imagine you have a restaurant in Soho, right, in New York, and that's your one location. And let's say you make 8% profit, if you're lucky, right, because that's an average profit margin for a restaurant business, which obviously can cost anywhere from a half a million to $10 million to get into. So you get an 8% profit margin, which is is very low for that type of investment. And you want to grow. Well, how do you grow? Well, obviously you can promote, you can figure different things out. But as as I've, I've run restaurants before, there's only so many ways you can get people to come eat on Monday. Right. In our case, we, because we have a platform, because we've built the tracks, we can take your restaurant and let's say put it in kitchen in Brooklyn, put it in a kitchen on Long Island, put it in a kitchen on the Upper West Side. And all of a sudden, your delivery radius has gone from, you know, three miles to, you know, 20 miles. And the amount of kitchen, the amount of customers you can reach has gone from, let's call it 100,000 to a million. And in doing so, you've increased your sales. And because of our partnership, Every dollar we pay you is 100% profit to your bottom line. And so now, if you achieve success on the Reef platform, you could add 5 or 10% profit to that restaurant, which means a restaurant like someone who used to make $200,000 a year can make $400,000 a year. This is a life-altering thing for the restaurateur. And um, in doing so, we've built a model that we think is sustainable and, and will help people grow in a way that makes um, the restaurant business better. You know, it just improves it. Food fighters, stay on the cutting edge. The more traditionalists in the restaurant space, many view the arrival of virtual brands and ghost kitchens, as you just described a lot of the opportunity that comes with it. Many would view that as a threat. And the argument would go, if we applied it to reef technologies, uh, here's a parking lot. It used to be a place potentially where people would put their car and then come dine with me. And now instead it's incubating 20 direct competitors to my business. Obviously you disagree with that. How do you think about the balance between creating opportunities for the existing restaurant industry and representing a challenge that could be threatening to their way of business. I think that, you know, let's, as I, as I spoke earlier, our purpose is to make the place you live, the place you love to be. 
I mean, our why is to make the place you live, the place you love to be. And our purpose is to connect the world to your block. And in doing so, as I mentioned earlier, we put the neighborhood first. So under no circumstances, if there's a Chinese restaurant on the corner, are we trying to put a Chinese restaurant in the parking lot next to it? We actually care, which is really, I think, the most important thing. We care about the, the neighborhoods we operate in. We care about the cities and we care about improving people's lives. So that's number one. And we care about the, the restaurant business. Um, you know, we put thousands of people to work and help thousands of people make enough money to get through the pandemic. Um, and we did that because we really do care. Now, if you look at a parking lot that sits with, you know, let's say half full in Williamsburg, right? Is that the best use of that space? I, I don't think so, because that space is incredibly valuable and incredibly uh, underutilized for that neighborhood. So what Reef does is we look at that lot and we say, what is what does this neighborhood not have? Do they not have a farmer's market? Do they not have a convenience store? Do they not have a dry cleaner? Whatever they don't have that Reef can provide and improve the experience of the neighborhood is what we try to put in that location. And really what you're seeing right now is just the beginning of the activation of our platform. And, our, you know, we are, as I said, an enabling platform. And what a platform business does is it helps other, all the people on the platform grow. And so what I would challenge you is to say, if that, you know, Chinese restaurant down the corner was upset that we were opening a, a ghost kitchen down the block, I would flip that and say, well, we're probably going to come to that Chinese restaurant. We're going to say, would you like to, to specialize like in your dumplings or your lo mein or your hot and sour soup or whatever it is that you're known for? And we could operate that here or we can operate that in one of our other hubs and help you grow your business. So it's like, you know, they say the rising tide raises all boats. It's kind of like that. Like as the market grows, Everyone and as the neighborhood succeed, everyone will succeed at a higher level, not the uh, protectionist view of, oh, you know, you're going to put a restaurant out of business because I, I would be very interested for anyone to look at our, our track record to date and see where where have we put a restaurant out of business. As we go beyond restaurants, uh, do you see yourselves as on the leading edge of making cities across uh, the country less dependent on cars. Uh, I mean, it's there's a conclusion that seems to be that if parking lots are being replaced with neighborhood hubs, as you call them, that that's actually an opportunity to change the environment of a city and, and make it less tied to cars. But that's a major effort that's not just, that can't just be done uh, on your own. How do you think about that broader goal and what the life in our cities could look like uh, if you're successful in creating these neighborhood hubs everywhere? First and foremost, we just had an ordinance, the first of its kind, passed in Miami, uh, which is a one-year pilot project that allows us to operate and do what we are exactly what we're talking about. So we work very, very closely with governments and cities and, and charities to figure out how the cities can improve. And if you haven't noticed, 
for better or for worse, the, the, the pandemic has changed a tremendous amount. And if you walk in the city of New York, there's restaurants falling into the streets right now. Right. You know, I'm going to be very interested to see how that plays out over the long term and whether those really ever go away in, in, in full honesty. Like, I think a lot of people like that they exist. For sure. But that's actually making the streets smaller. And so, you know, what what's better? Is it better to have an idling car or, or truck on the street from uh, UPS or FedEx getting tickets, you know, leaving boxes all over the place? Or is it better for that FedEx to send one truck instead of 20 trucks through the city, go to one of our, our hubs, drop off the, the, the goods and those goods to be distributed through bikes that have zero pollution and uh, allow for people to make drop-offs, cargo bikes that drop off all around the city. It's clearly, the, the, the option that I'm explaining is clearly much, much better for the long-term health of our society and for the long-term health of our cities. And that story plays out over and over and over again in different ways. And so, you know, as cities evolve, we're really talking about putting the infrastructure in place to enable that to happen efficiently and effectively so that people can live better lives and that cities are more healthy and comfortable and sustainable. That's that's what our our founding principles are. We it was there, you know, Ari saw a tremendous amount of waste happening. And he saw, you know, a lot of people being excluded from being able to live out their dreams and let's say opening a restaurant. Once again, you're you're probably an anywhere from half a million to $10 million to open a restaurant in a major city right now. I mean, that's hard money to come by. And, you know, you haven't even proven that, you know, people like your empanadas yet. So (laughs) imagine if you come on our platform, you could test it and then you can grow. And that applies to both local mom and pops and to large multinational corporations. People don't need to waste money anymore. They don't need to waste time. We are here to help, to help make things more efficient and, and more sustainable and honestly more focused on uh, the things we love to do as opposed to the things we need to do. Well, I do think there's there's absolutely a, a macro trend that was accelerated in COVID as our restaurants and, and local elements of our community have exactly, as you said, expanded out onto the streets and I think you are right in flagging that that many consumers and operators hope that that maintains. It'll define a new definition of what a city looks like and how it feels to local residents. And it sounds like Reef, Reef Technology shares that vision and is looking to make that a reality. Yep. So thank you for your time uh, and, and your vision. Y- you and, and your team are quite literally working to change the feel of cities across the country. Uh, And it's been great learning about that, Alan. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. And uh, I look forward to uh, seeing how all of these uh, discussions we've had play out in in the future of cities. And uh, maybe one day we get to grab a drink together uh, in one of our uh, outdoor parks. That would be great. Thanks, Alan. You've been listening to Food Fighters with me, Zach Goldstein. To subscribe to the podcast or to learn more about our featured guest, 
visit thanks.com slash foodfighters. That's thanks, spelled T-H-A-N-X dot com slash foodfighters. This podcast is a production of Thanks, the leading CRM and digital engagement solution for restaurants. Until next time, keep fighting, food fighters. <laughs>